as always. It's so good to be with you, and a special welcome also to all of the guardian angels that are here this morning, whom the Father has assigned to protect and guide us. Did you know you have a guardian angel? That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, the time that I see guardian angels the most is when somebody's getting ready to go to heaven. They're just a few minutes away. You really feel the strength and power of the guardian angels then, but we sure appreciate you being here as well. Well, another wonderful week at the, at the parish home place, the place we love to call home. A couple of things. Uh, thank you so much for taking all 300 tags off of the Lenten tree to help our retired religious. It's great. Somebody, uh, Craig, was mentioning a while ago, it looks like Christmas back there. Well, in a sense it is, isn't it? It truly is in that we're, we're spreading good cheer to those who have uh, served us and have served the parish and the communities very well for so many years. Also, our dragon back there, we've had over 600 names put in so far. Uh, they're all not the set different names, so, so that's good. So we are getting some uh, sense of consistency about that, but that's going to be it. That's going to be a lot of fun. The kids, and some of the older kids too, they're getting like the adults are having some fun with this, so it's really good. Um, I received yes, uh, notice yesterday that our new sound system for the church shipped on Friday, and uh, it'll be installed before Easter. So that's, you're going to really enjoy that. It's, it's going to make a tremendous, uh, tremendous improvement here in the way that you can hear things. Also, yesterday was, uh, it was just sort of a booming kind of day. Uh, they were taking up for the purist community. I went over and looked in the truck. The truck was full uh, of your generosity, giving to the people in Appalachia. And there was so much, they had to go get another one. So, uh, and, and they say, Father, come in the cafeteria, look at all the stuff that people have given. And I thought, man, I'm really proud of St. Albert. You know, what a, what, all of those things are going to go and do really good things for other people. Uh, tons and tons of families this week and uh, out on the sports field, playing sports, having fun, being healthy. Uh, like I said, this place is like a little city. Sometimes when you pull up to it, it's just like there is so much going on. But uh, the most important thing that really has impressed me this week, uh, all these, although these are very great things, it has to do with one of our St. Albert the Great graduates, who is also a parishioner, and he's a high school senior right now. His name is Paul Gates. You ever heard of Paul Gates? Well, uh, he greatly de delighted me this week when he let me know that he had been accepted as an undergraduate seminarian uh, for the Congregation of the Holy Cross. So uh, what a wonderful thought that it, you can always tell when there's vitality and health in a parish when, when you see priests coming out of it. That's what they've always told me, and I really believe that. So many good things going around, and I could mention many, many more. But the bottom line is it makes you proud. It makes you proud to belong to such a dynamic and a loving community. And after all, that's, that's our mission, isn't it? That's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus established us. Well, on to today's gospel story. I bet everybody here has heard it at least once or once or more, uh, you know, it's a very popular story. The first time I heard it was when I was a young boy. 
And as they were reading the scripture and they, as they were describing the prodigal son feeding the hogs, you know, I cringed a little bit uh, because I've slopped hogs myself. You ever slopped hogs, huh? All right, there's a couple of you that grew up on the farm, so you would understand that. But it's a nasty job. You don't want to do that job. It's a nasty job. So I sort of uh, felt connected to him and like, man, boy, he was really in a sense of desperation, wasn't he? Um, the second time that I bumped into this story was at a convent in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Sisters of the Holy Spirit. And we were in the chapel there for a retreat and uh, on the wall was a picture of the prodigal daughter. Isn't that interesting? You always think prodigal son, but here was the prodigal daughter. Maybe the sisters knew a lot more than we thought they knew, it was a, but it was a great idea. A third time that I touched this story was when I read a book by Henry Noun, some of you probably know him, it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Little book, but man, is it power-packed. It is just, uh, it's all about God's love and his forgiveness towards us. And then the fourth time, and probably the one that sticks most closely into my mind uh, in coming in contact with this story. It was 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago to this day, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was called and asked to be on uh, EWTN television uh, for the program called The Journey Home. It's called The Journey Home. And so I go and I agree to it. it they wanted to talk to me about my conversion. You know, I'm a convert. And then being a priest on top of that and being married, I mean, that really is quite unusual. Um, so on the day of the taping, uh, in front of me, here was Marcus Grodi, ready with his questions. And behind me was a print of Rembrandt's what? Return of the Prodigal Son. There it was. Uh, now, being the unrefined person that I am, I'll be the first to admit that I'm definitely not sophisticated, that's for sure. I'd never seen this picture before. And it was beautiful, it just sort of captivated me. And it, you know, I can understand why they would have that picture uh, behind you as a backdrop, because coming home, right? You know, convert, coming home, coming back to the Catholic Church. So it made a whole lot of sense to me. But I was, I was really captivated by this picture, so I did a little bit of study on it. Um, it was written, or it was painted in the year 1668 by a guy named Rembrandt. Have you ever heard of him? Well, uh, he had a fancy. He had a, he had a real fancy for the prodigal son because he saw himself as that son. That's why, he saw himself as that son. If you go back 31 years in 1637, prior to when he painted the picture, he did another picture of himself, a self-portrait this time, and it's called The Prodigal Son in the Tavern. Have you ever seen that one? Well, it's an interesting picture. It's him. And uh, it's an interesting uh, look of Rembrandt because here he is in a tavern. He's having a big time. He's just got married. His his uh, beautiful and wealthy wife, Sasiska, is sitting on his lap and they're having fun. He's got his, he's got his hand uh, raised in the air with his wine glass and he's giving three cheers to life because now he's popular. He's a popular artist and he's very successful. And so he's three cheering to life 
as he does that and he looks at and he thinks, this is going to last forever. You know, so I'm the prodigal son at the tavern is what I am. Very interesting because 31 years later when he would paint the return of the prodigal son, he would die within a few months. His wife had passed. Uh, his popularity was vanished and he was living in poverty. Quite a different situation, isn't it, when you think about it? And yet he paints this story. He paints about the story, the return, not the prodigal son, but the return of the prodigal son. But this time he's not in the tavern. No, he's not there raising his wine glass. Instead, he's resting somewhere infinitely more meaningful to him. Uh, if you've looked at this life-size painting, it, it truly is surreal as you look at the prodigal son with a little bit of that background in mind. Let's look at him just for a minute because it really speaks reams about who he is and who we are, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, he saw himself in the prodigal and I see myself in the prodigal and you might see yourself as well. But uh, the first thing is he was a wealthy man. Uh, you know, he was attached to his father, was very popular and wealthy. But something was uh, noticeably absent, and that was the beautiful robe that someone of his uh, dignification would wear, as well as the family signet ring that, that shows that he belongs to this family. See, what had happened, he had hocked all that stuff. Uh, he spent all of his inheritance, and then he had hocked his robes and his rings, and he squandered them for one more night out on the town. You know, we're gonna have one more night out on the town. But now, only rags are left. He's in rags, you know, that's what he's wearing today. And the thing about him that's most closest to you as you look at the picture is his feet. Look at the soles of his feet. One is bare, the other one, uh, the, the sandal is all broken up. But if you look at the feet, you see that they're cracked. You know, dried, cracked, they're bleeding. Uh, and what it does is it reveals the story of someone who has gone through hardship in their lives, one who has gone through defeat. And now the head of the one, I mean, you know, he was, he was, he was big, he was large and in charge, you know. The head of the one where people would look up to him. Now it's downcast and you see on his head these large gaps in his hair where he maybe tried to cut it with a rock or something. I don't know what it was, but he looked terrible. And, uh, or did he look terrible? But when you add on top of that, the right blend of colors, the shadows, the hues, and the swells of light, you think that the prodigal son is going to jump out at you. I mean, you know, Rembrandt was famous for that. I mean. His, picture, his portraits of people were so real. I mean, they were so real. And uh, so he's sending this message to us. He says, this prodigal son is going to jump out at you off of this canvas in order to see how you would react to him. Well, that's, that's truly uh, the mark of a great artist, isn't it? To see how you would react to what it is that they're showing you. Uh, that's a good question. Let me ask you that question. How would you react to such a destitute soul? If this person was in your circle of influence, they had lost their way, 
and they wanted to return back into your circle of approval. What would you do with that? Well, when they approached it, would you say, I told you so? Or would you say, I love you? Would you say, you're not welcome here? Or would you say, welcome home? You see the difference? Boy, there's so much difference there. And that's, that's the prodigal son. But we can't stop there because there's the father. There's the father, and that's really where, that's where the, the core of the message is going today. Once again, the father is surreal. He's going to jump off the canvas at you. Uh, and, uh, but he, he's got a different uh, posture about him than the son, and that is that he's radiating love for his son. There's a radiance about him, a radiance about him. Uh, and here, here's the thing that really strikes me when I think about this. How powerful an image when you realize that Rembrandt, at this point in his life when he's painting this picture, he's alone, he's isolated, he's hungry, he's destitute, and he's painting a picture of a loving father. Why not be angry and mad and bitter and paint a picture of something else? There, that speaks reams to me because what he had done which we heard in the story today, is he had come to his senses. You know, he, he, he became aware of his situation and he realized, I gotta go home. I gotta get home to the Father. I gotta see if the Father will accept me. See if you agree with this picture. Having seen the Father run towards him, the Father's looking and he sees him at a, a long distance. The father begins to run towards him. And when the son, when he comes to the son, the son falls to his knees and he risks it. This is a risk, you know, because normally, as we heard the story, you would be rejected. But he risks placing his head on the father's chest. Now, it's interesting. He doesn't grab, he doesn't give the the son, the son doesn't give him a big bear hug because he doesn't know what dad's going to do. But he does get close enough to lean his head on his father's chest to see what the father would do. And what does the father do? Well, immediately, the son begins to feel the electricity of mercy, of acceptance, forgiveness, and love flowing into him from his father. Look also at the father. There's the softness of the cloak, which he's wearing. It's not a bright, uh, burnished, outstanding red, but it's a, it's a soft red, you might call it, expressing that sense of compassion. And you see it written, this compassion, written all over the face of the father in his expression. But the thing that really gives it away, that really shows you who the father is, and how much the Father is full of compassion for you and me is in the hands. It's in the hands. Now, uh, you might say, well, the hands, are, they're different sizes. The left hand and the right hand are different sizes. And, uh, well, is that because Rembrandt made a mistake? Rembrandt? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, that, that was intentional, wasn't it? What's he trying to say? It's very noticeable. When you get home, take a look at it. It's very noticeable. Well, the left hand is a lot larger 
than the right hand. And it's a masculine-looking hand, and it rests on the son's shoulder, the shoulder of the son. You know, it's sort of a fathering kind of image or mentality that we see there. You know, that sense of courage, take courage, assurance, that sense of comforting. And then there's the right hand, a smaller hand, for sure, a more feminine type of hand, to be sure, softer, and that one's patting him on the back. You know, when you need to be loved, you need to be accepted, there's nothing like mom patting you on the back, right? You know, it's okay, honey, it's going to be okay, isn't it? And that's exactly what we see in this picture. We see the softness of his hand as he pats the back, suggesting to him that sense of mothering. So, to be certain, at some point along the way, when you think about the images and when he was writing this, at some point along the way, Rembrandt had risked casting himself into the arms of the loving father, and guess what he found? Openness, reception, and embrace. That's the father. That's the father. It raises the question that we hear raised in the scriptures. It's this question, what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? Isn't that what we hear in the readings today? I sought the Father, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him, it says, that you may be radiant with joy. And when it says, when the poor one called out, the Father heard, and from all his distress, he saved him. And what about the second reading today? Paul says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. All of this is from the Father who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. What manner of love is this? And in the story today, while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly, hurry, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And then let us celebrate with a great feast, because this son of mine that was dead has come to life again. He was lost, and now he has been found. Oh, my father, oh, our father who art in heaven, holy, beautiful is your name. Are you saying, God, that regardless of what I've done in my life or what I think I deserve in life, that you're going to run out to meet me, a beggar smelling like a hog who's asking for a servant's job? Really? And then when I risk leaning into you, you embrace me? Father, what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? It's a good question, isn't it? Isn't it? I'd like to leave you with a couple of 
what I call mind-boggling thoughts today for reflection. Maybe you feel like the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. If so, this, know that your heavenly father is waiting to catch sight of you. Don't be afraid to approach him. And when he makes it to you, after running to you, risk everything by leaning into him and receiving his loving embrace. And the second thing is this, mind-boggling. The scriptures teach us to love others as the Father has what? Loved us, right? So who in your circle of influence today, this week, needs you to run to them as quickly as possible and love them as the Father has loved you? God bless all of you.